It's a well-known story for Christians, and so I invite you to hear it like it's the first time you've ever heard this story told today. And if this is the first time you've heard this story, enjoy it. It's magnificent. I'll start in Mark 14 and jump around a little bit as we weave up to Mark 15. It was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the festival, for there may be a riot among the people. That was happening in Jerusalem while Jesus was in Bethany having dinner with friends. A woman comes and anoints his feet with expensive perfume, and then they finish the Last Supper. Afterward, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to become distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here. Keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, God, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, what you want. Jesus came and found the disciples sleeping, and again he went away and he prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking rest? Enough! The hour has come. In this moment, Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss. The leaders come to arrest him. Peter, who is still ready for war, pulls his sword and slices off the ear of one of the guards, and Jesus is having none of it, and so he says to all who are gathered, get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And then Jesus said to them, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted Jesus and fled. In the wake of the desertion in the deep of the night, Peter denies Jesus three times. The rulers continue to interrogate him, humiliating him, ripping his clothes to shreds, taunting him with lies about false accusations. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, you say so. And then the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate asked him again, have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further reply. Pilate was amazed. Pilate spoke to the crowd again. Then what do you wish me to do with the man who you call king of the Jews? And they shouted back, crucify him. Pilate asked them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. 
Holy One, come and be with us now as we wrestle with this text and sit with the words of the sermon that we might draw close to you and understand our belonging. Amen. FOMO. Go ahead and give a shout out if you know what it means. FOMO is an acronym used by kids these days. Fear of missing out, F-O-M-O. Here are a few examples. Some of you may have FOMO when you are at church meetings during March Madness basketball games. And the more faithful of you might have FOMO when you are at the basketball games instead of church meetings. It can go both ways. Maybe there is FOMO on a good sale at your favorite store or when all the cool kids are texting about an upcoming party that you can't attend. What is it about our fear of missing out? Even as we outgrow the social pressures of being young, there is still an urgency to life that demands we stay informed, lest we miss the next big thing. And yet, always being in the know takes a toll on us. Despite the fact that this is the most connected we have ever been in the history of humanity, thanks to digital media, researchers tell us it is also the most anxious, most depressed, and loneliest we have also ever been. What happens when we do miss out? What's the danger? Regardless of our age or our life station, we have this deep-seated need to belong. To be on the inside of a people group with influence and acceptance, this drive for community, in fact, is hardwired in our DNA. Social work researcher Brene Brown, do you know her? If not, you need to. She explains in a recent podcast with Krista Tippett that in ancient times, to not belong means imminent death. While it has different consequences for us today, Community still and will always bring us life and purpose. We need to belong. A fear of missing out is linked to this desire to belong. Here's an example. My ordination to the ministry was delayed for several years for various reasons. Finding the right denomination, staying in one city long enough to go through the process, becoming a mother while I was in school... Before the title Reverend was attached to the front of my name, I longed to belong to the tribe of clergy, to guide ritual, to serve communion, to officiate weddings, to meet with you who are in need. It was a longing that extended well beyond me that was pulling me to like-minded people. And I'm sure each of you have your own belongings and our own fears of missing out. And yet, on the contrary, Jesus never seems to care about missing out. It's quite profound, actually. He's never texting the disciples, asking how the prayer meeting went while he's over at the healing pool at Bethsaida. He never seems impatient when he's late to a party. People even died, Lazarus, because he was never in a hurry. Even today... As the palm parade winds down and the crowd follows him into Jerusalem, they arrive at the temple rather late. Jesus just had this throng of people behind him shouting, Hosanna 
save us. They were in the streets, and when they get to town, on the cusp of revolution, instead of freedom fighting with their swords, they find a dark sanctuary. And I imagine Jesus kind of shrugging his shoulders, well, let's just head on to Bethany for some dinner. Imagine the disciples, like, really? Jesus' sense of belonging and his efforts to fit in never waver. And I believe Brene Brown has pieced together yet another paradox for us of life with Jesus. We know some of the familiar ones. Lose your life in order to gain it. Blessed are the poor. Pray in secret. All of those things that Jesus invites us into as followers of him that border on the absurd. And yet when we engage it, we are transformed. So here's a new one perhaps for you. What is the first thing we do often in order to fit in? We sacrifice who we are or what we believe, and we take on the persona of the crowd. The people who today shout Hosanna, on Friday shout crucify. When things are looking up and energy is ripe for movement, the people look to Jesus for saving. And yet just a few days later, when the powerful elite come in to capture this homeless prophet, the crowd's energy shifts, and the message condemns. What happened? What happened to the commitments of Peter and James and John while they were sleeping in the garden? What happened to Judas? And later again to Peter at his denial deep in the night. When we allow ourselves to be swayed with the crowd and we sacrifice who we are, we often find ourselves in grief and isolation and a new form of loneliness. When we sacrifice our commitments for the sake of the group, we realize that perhaps it wasn't the intimate group at all. Brene says, and Jesus models, That if we really want to belong, and here's the paradox, if we really want to belong, we have to be willing to stand alone. Not once throughout his trial does Jesus back down. He is unwilling to negotiate with the yelling mob-like crowd. He's unwilling to negotiate with Pilate's power, a power that has the opportunity to save him. Instead, In probably the penultimate moment of lowliness, Jesus knows to whom he belongs. He does not waver. And we also saw him with this steadfast bravery as he entered the wilderness at the beginning of our Lenten season. I wish we had time to unpack this a little bit more. We could discuss all of the historic individuals who have followed Jesus on this path of peaceful revolution those individuals who also never wavered. I also wish that we could break into small groups. Don't worry, introverts, we don't have time. I wish we could break into small groups and share about the people in our lives who inspire us to live with true belonging. I will say that my grandma is one such individual. She never apologized for her commitments. She was always centered in life-giving community. I also wish we had time to dissect the moments in our lives when we need this kind of belonging bravery, 
Those moments when we risk standing alone in order to stay in tune with the work of love that ultimately connects us one to another. Like when we want to converse with family members who voted differently, but discuss it in ways that are kind and respectful. Or when we make effort to rebut another racist comment from a coworker. We have so many opportunities for these kinds of conversations, don't we? And each one can grip us at the core of who we are. Instead, in light of risking loneliness to belong, again, the paradox, and like Jesus' model, I want to spend some time where we wonder together, how can we, as Highland Baptist Church, foster and embrace belonging, knowing that there will be times where we must embody courage as a community of God and take that risk of standing alone. What does that look like for a church in our city, in our denomination, in our fellowship with other places of worship? How is God calling us to be a church that defies the new cultural norms of division? How does the love we profess manifest in the midst of such extreme political and economic polarities? How must we reject justice work that is formed around a common hatred? How can we, in the trial that is America's contemporary reckoning with racial inequalities like redlining and police brutality and economic inequalities like generational cyclical poverty, and sexist divides as we, like we witness in the Me Too movement. How can we be a church that trusts that we belong? Y'all, I believe that the church offers an inspired place of sanctuary for these conversations. Just like I also believe that the church offers a megaphone for the voices who have been ignored. Highland, if we are relevant and if we are speaking out to the lonely ones and we are identifying with our own loneliness in this journey, and if we are providing that belonging that is real and transformative and interconnected and intersectional, we will find ourselves challenged, perhaps publicly alone, and yet living in the way of the one to whom we still shout, Hosanna, save us. How can we boldly, publicly, and without apology, stand strong in the face of violence and oppression as a faith community bound by love and compassion? Yesterday, there were over 70 of you, 70 of us, out in the cold, windy rain, marching for our lives and the lives of our students. What a beautiful new step for us. It was intergenerational. It was full of reminiscing for those of you who remembered marching during civil rights in the days of Vietnam. And it was a time for us to weep over the future of young lives that will probably still be lost. But it was also a time for us to shout in the streets, enough is enough. And at one point I had the thought, quiet down, Lauren, you have to preach tomorrow. (laughs) 
And still, it was a time for us to practice taking our faith public in new ways. Not for ourselves, not for the glory of Highland Baptist Church, but to fight for the belonging of others. Church, I know not everyone marches, and that's okay. I know not everyone writes letters or calls the people in Frankfurt, and that's okay too. There are so many ways that we as God's church can stand strongly like tough topics and conversations in our Wednesday night classes, or the work of our mission teams? Or how about you parents who are asking questions about how do I raise thoughtful, compassionate kids who are self-aware and celebrate difference? Or consider how you older adults continually seek to engage the young adults so that we can serve across generational divides. And then I see you teenagers taking stands in your school for justice. How about our eagerness to welcome new people while also trying to be honest about where and how we still exclude? What radical acts of bravery you are putting forth in these ways. And so here's the good news especially as we head into the devastation that is Holy Week. The bravery that comes from standing alone does not mean that we cannot be afraid. I suspect Jesus was terrified while he was alone praying in the garden, while he was standing before that mob-like crowd, as he got the instructions from Pilate to carry that heavy cross of death up the hill. But let it remind us, and let Brene Brown's words continue to echo for us, that we can be both brave and scared at the same time, multiple times a day. So how all the more beautiful then, that when we belong to the God who welcomes and loves all, even you, even me, even the people who are longing for belonging, that even When we recognize this, we know that we are inextricably linked by a power that is so much greater than our aloneness. So even all of us together can do this with a deep fear of missing out and longing to fit in, but also trusting in the bounty of God's love. Amen. God, your love is one that we confess we don't understand. And yet it is one that does give us belonging and the courage and the bravery that we need to stand for those and for ourselves who need freedom and release. Empower us to be a congregation that follows you throughout this week called holy, through the painful ins and outs of life, with the hope that Easter looms. Amen. Friends, as you stand and open your hymnals to hymn number 516, I invite you to let this be a continuing to wrestle with this story, with this person called Jesus, with the ways that you seek to belong to our community that is Highland Baptist Church. And if you want to belong, come forward and let us know. We welcome you. Let's stand and sing together.